we're all recording. We're all good. We're all Gucci, as the kids we say. Are. We it? are. Actually, yeah, I have. I when I was still at the elementary school, I did actually hear some kids say Gucci. Yeah, they I've, were I've nine year old. Where I, yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm only 27, but I feel like I've hit that age where there's definitely people at work who are like 19, who I'm like, oh, they're so young. I, when when did you guys get to that age? Um, I feel like right after college, like it's like 21 was when I started kind of, it, it definitely helps that, I guess it doesn't help, but almost right after college, I started working at an elementary school. So mm, like, it definitely doesn't help. Yeah. So almost like right away, like, I mean, little kids are always going to look like little kids to us, even to like middle schoolers. But because a lot of them had like older siblings that were in middle school, high school, and sometimes I even did work at the high school and, you know, that's like only like a four year difference. They did feel like mm-hmm. babies, like literally like, like, oh my God, you guys feel like you're acting like you know everything, but you have no idea. Like after, and this is just like right after college too. Like now that I'm like, I literally just turned 31 today as of this happy recording. Happy birthday. Thank you. You're and, um, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Smithers. This is the Um, yeah, like now, like being 31, looking back at people that are like 24 or 25, like pretty much like slightly younger than you and Elvis, Kevin, um, like they feel like babies or like super young, maybe not babies, maybe that's sort of like toddlers, like they just feel like super young. It's kind of crazy. But um, when we get to your age specifically, I guess it, I think it's like within the four years, I feel like there's like no difference. It almost feels like we're all like the same age at this point. But there are like some, I think like when it's, when you start getting beyond that is where you start feeling the bigger gap, especially when you start referencing things that you don't know or you only barely know about. The or weird, when you reference the, things that they didn't know about because, you know, they were too young. The weird one for me, well, first of all, should we probably, we should probably say who we are, shouldn't we? First of all, first of all, this is Quarantine Chronicles episode 10. Uh, <laughs> and- <laughs> I'm your host, Kevin. Uh, Angel was, was right now talking the most right there. We, uh, Jason is also here. I'm the one saying we need to say who we are. Hi. <laughs> but anyway, I was going to I say, mean, by, by episode 10, I'm sure they know. I would hope so. But you never know who's going to stumble across us and be like, what? But anyway, I mean, no, most I of them say, probably like... stumbled across us from the other episodes. So. You would think. You would think. But um, Really? No, I was, you, I was you, gonna... you know for a fact? What? No, uh, I'm saying you would people... think. Like, like you would oh. think that's where they would come from. I wasn't dissing you. I wasn't saying you're wrong. I oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah, I took that as like you would think. But we actually have. Let me look at the data. And then, you know, every you episode has discoverability potential. Anyway, um, no, what I was going to say about the age thing is I've noticed that like what I really noticed is I think you're spot on with the four year gap thing. Cause like I, my team at work, um, are some of our team members, um, were younger by like, you know, like I'm 31 as well. Or at the time I was like, you know, 29, 30 and they were like 23, 22, like straight out of college. And like, it felt, you could tell like, some of the slang they use, some of the, um, you know, things they knew. Like I made a reference to TRL and one of them's like, what's TRL? And I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> like it's not that Wait, old. What's TRL? Total request Total live request from MTV live. back in the early 2000s. But like, it was, it was like they were, they were, it was like a, a countdown, a top 10 countdown, like viewer voted, uh, music videos. Yeah. And it was like the, music in like it was what the music industry centered around for a little while the pop industry right. i should say um oh, okay well i mean i'm like, an outlier since i didn't really keep up with 
right but these were like these are like people who are like super savvy about all the like that sort of stuff like super into Mm -hmm. you know the current pop music scene they had no idea what trl was and i'm just like oh god and there's something that that definitely says something yeah yeah and like and like not only that but like um you know things like they said like obviously people say extra a lot now and that that's a thing but like they were saying it like before it really like like went into the mainstream i'm just like oh what is this extra just there was a or like, or like, they were using Snapchat so when, like, you know, everyone my age wasn't like that sort of thing. Like, they were only on Snapchat, like, because you know, we, I feel like we, our age group, was like, oh yeah, Snapchat's like not that popular. It's like Instagram stories or whatever, but they were all about Snapchat because they're the right age group. And it was just weird because yeah. like they're not really that much younger. It really like seven years. The weird one was being like when I was in seventh grade, and they'd be like, yeah, I was in kindergarten, and they'd be like, oh god. <laughs> So. Yeah, I mean, age gaps definitely matter less the older you get. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, there was just like a tweet the other day that I'm sure you saw, Jason, where uh, I think it was IGN. I forgot who, but they tweeted like, what console generation did you like start with? And the earliest one they showed was like GameCube, PlayStation 2 and Xbox. Oh, and we're like, and yeah. there were, yeah. yeah, so we're like, oh, like I I'm like two generations before. We've that. been phased out. I have a <laughs> yeah, bone. Basically. I have a bone to pick with that basically. chart, actually, because they didn't even do the generations right. They put N64 with, with like PS2, and then they put DS and what? Game Boy in the same bucket. It the, the I, I maybe not the one IGN tweeted, but like the original that led to IGN doing that was like a real hodgepodge, and it was missing everything pre the GameCube, yeah, except N64, which was randomly with PS2, which wasn't with GameCube. It made no sense. Yeah. Also, while we're talking about this, like I can't wait until um, random Nintendo to ask this. So I might as well ask it now. Um, what is up with that chart? I think you tweeted about it. Where me? It show. Oh yeah, you you were making like some. Um, I guess you were trying to be clever about the whole like. Oh yeah, I guess Nintendo's gonna make a console in the next eighty years or something like that. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. So in that chart, it shows like it goes straight from DS and Wii to switch yeah why, so that chart so like, why no may, wii u and 3ds we may not no 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 we may or may not talk about them um in the regular ram nintendo but in a nutshell nintendo had a shareholder meeting and in that shareholder meeting they uh were talking about the mission of nintendo and how they go about like what role each thing plays in the centralized this is what nintendo is and how we achieve our monetization and revenue you know what the company's about and they were using the example of Wii and DS as a first pass at a fully integrated thing where hardware meets software meets IPs meets getting new audiences meets turning those audiences into longer term gamers, you know, basically touch generations into new Super Mario Brothers into traditional games. Um, and then they're saying the Switch is now the second round of that where they have the hardware and the software and they're getting people in through the multiplayer and through like, you know, um, the IP expansion with mobile games. And <laughs> so, their next system so the Wii U and 3DS, they were just like, Let's try not doing what was successful no, and the, see how that goes. I think it's more like the Wii U and 3DS were iterations of the Wii and DS. And as such, they viewed them as part of the original strategy as oh. the next step in... in based in, on their naming convention, that doesn't make well, sense. Well, yeah, exactly. Based on naming convention and based on the fact that, like, if you think about what the Wii U and 3DS were, the DS and the Wii were like, here's these new things, new ways to play. Cool. You understand that now? Here's how you do a little more advanced stuff as a new gamer. With a, Oh, it looks know, like we lost you. Uh, let's try this again. Yeah, kind of. Sort of, and they didn't necessarily lose them because they've they've addressed it. Like we uh, in other briefings, people were like, still confused Wii about what the Wii U was years after it came uh-huh. out. Even yeah, close to like the end of the flash. generation. Oh yeah, yeah. 
No, but I mean like they – in terms of like the reset they did with the Switch is because they basically they basically said that uh, the Wii and DS era was we wanted the whole Blue Ocean thing. We want to expand the audience. We want to get people that don't game to now game. The 3DS and the Wii U were basically, okay, these people are now in. Let's get them further into games except it didn't work because everything they tried to do didn't resonate. Like yeah, the 3DS sold like 75 million. That's great. But like it was an iterative product of the DS. It wasn't a new thing. Um, I feel like we're interviewing like an official Nintendo sales rep or like a Nintendo rep right now. Kind of. I mean, you know, I just follow their (laughs) strategy. Unofficial official sales rep. Yes, yes. But and then and then Switch, they're now saying, okay, we're not trying to get gamers anymore. Everyone games. Look at mobile. Look how many people play games. It's like three, like three quarters of Americans say they play games for like a couple hours a week minimum. So now it's about, well, how do you get them to play our games? So they're saying, well, you do stuff by exposing them to IPs. You do stuff by having mobile games and then kind of enticing them to get the Switch. And that's kind of the new integrated experience. So it went from Blue Ocean of getting people into gaming to cool everyone games and how you get them into Nintendo games. And that's kind of why they're split how they are between the Wii era and the Switch era, if that makes sense. Fascinating. Fascinating yeah. stuff. And, and look, we're crossing the streams here. Quarantine Chronicles, but still Nintendo. Well, this is um, yeah, what I gets you going, huh, Jason? It sure is. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, since we're talking about generations, I guess we should just uh, talk about the uh, the PlayStation showcase that happened on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, I think was it was Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, it's we're yeah, finally so. in the home stretch for these consoles, guys. PlayStation and Xbox. We're like eight weeks out. Yeah, this so is the generation that the Switch 10? is in? What generation is this? Or is the Switch now behind the generation again? The I'm Switch, like, is, kind of lost the Switch is its own half generation, I'd say. It was I'm, I'm, just, I'm just counting by console iterations. Like, are they all on oh. their eighth now, or are they all on their ninth? Well, Xbox is on its fourth. PlayStation, as is in the name, is on its fifth. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but that's because Xbox skipped the N64 era. Well, yeah. and the Super and, Nintendo, yeah, yes. and, yeah, but and PlayStation's the <laughs> literally on the fifth. But in terms of the industry, I think it's the ninth or tenth. Yeah, I knew what you're getting. I just thought it'd be snobby. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. But I know, I know. Um, but yeah, Nintendo kind of beat it marches to its own drum a little, but um, to the beat of its own drum. But yeah, PlayStation, and Xbox. Yeah, uh, Sony. Uh, aside from showing you some some new games that we'll get into, uh, they finally dropped. Uh, I was gonna say drop the ball, but they finally dropped the price. <laughs> they did the. <laughs> they o- the I'd say they did the opposite of dropping the ball. They nailed that pricing. Uh, well, well, I'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, they they revealed the pricing, four ninety nine for the uh, disc version, four hundred ninety nine US dollars. Yeah, four ninety nine US dollars, and the digital version, uh, three ninety nine versus Microsoft's. Series X at also four ninety nine US dollars, and their Series S at twenty, what twenty nine, two hundred ninety nine dollars. Two hundred ninety nine for thirty dollars, you could have a Series S. <laughs> oh yeah, and they also have that uh, that promotion running as well. Um, oh, literally, just, yeah, you could have for thirty dollars. That's true because they have the monthly installment plans that come with. Yeah, the 30, 30 bucks yeah. a month. Right. It yeah. is interesting how that price discrepancy, I guess, between both consoles exists, but it's like the approach that one takes because in sony's case it looks like they're both exactly the same power wise except it just doesn't have a disk drive versus the other one that you know i guess tries to actually make it just you know just try to make it more way more affordable but sacrificing a lot in the power department which i don't know like someone like me like i didn't get a ps3 until was or even a ps4 until they're like 
until I knew I was getting like the most powerful version. I typically don't get the first generation Sony consoles, usually the later. Mm-hmm. Nintendo, I'm kind of like contractually obligated to get them on release, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like for the Xbox One, like I would have to get the $500 one, or I don't know if they expect way more people to get the cheaper one and then upgrade once they see they like it, or I don't well, know. Well, the, 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 is... the power differential feels too different, I feel. I, think I don't know. Xbox is in a weird spot because they aren't doing a traditional generation. Like in their mind, their next gen isn't okay. We have more powerful console per se. It's we have a new way to deliver you games with Game Pass, which I know we talked about a few, mm. a few quarantine chronicles ago. So on that That's level, true. I don't think they anticipate people buying the S and upgrading to the X. I think they're basically saying we have an a la carte service that you can get with crazy 4k super cool graphics so many teraflops for 500 dollars. or if like teraflop sounds like something your hair does you can just pay 300 dollars and not 4k and you're probably fine so like that it's like just a different completely mindset of how they're approaching next gen and it's it's weird because they're approaching it not even from an angle of like like sony's doing like like cinematic super like if you look at like uh the spider-man game like the lighting in that is super cool looking like it just looks and everything's so cinematic and the way the camera swooped as you walk through like that harlem street fair and everything like it was really cool and microsoft's just like yeah i mean we'll have halo it'll look a little better but you know you also have like 149 other games with it so it's just like totally different like mindsets as they're going into this generation which for it feels like sony was trying to well, well, this isn't really a game that was that, I guess, games, but games were announced, PS4 mm-hmm. games specifically for that uh, PlayStation Plus collection, which felt like they were trying to do the Game Pass thing, but doesn't seem like they're going to be adding on to that, it, to that uh, PlayStation Plus collection anytime soon. And I thought it was like, oh, finally their answer to, to to PS Plus, but. The, vi- the vibe I got is they did as a – and I I mean props them for thinking of this actually. The vibe I got is they did as a marketing move. So basically this holiday season when Microsoft says get the new Xbox for $500 and get 150 games, Sony can say or get the new PlayStation 5 for $500 with all of the PS4's po- most popular, best rated, highest reviewed games and exclusive new games because you know most – almost all of Xbox is cross-gen yeah, while Sony's like 50-50. Like- when I was watching that trailer, like there were there's a there were a good number of games on there that I was like, Oh man, like I actually wanna play like a really good number of these. Like I still wanna play Spider Man, I still wanna play Persona. Basically games that um I was gonna borrow from Kevin at some point. <laughs> and Yeah. And there were a couple of other ones on there, like Uncharted and um forgot some other one. Um Double May Cry, but that's also coming to PlayStation Five in a different version. And you know what I think is you know what I think is actually kinda of cool about what's going on with this generation from my perspective at least is um basically we have every company doing an intent pulling a nintendo like it used to be microsoft and sony were doing the exact same strategy and who could do it better and at one point even nintendo was in on that you know the ps2 gamecube xbox generation then nintendo peeled off and said we're gonna do our own thing and we'll be successful and it worked and they were you know a lot of people own a switch and something else now uh, and now it feels like Microsoft and Sony are kind of doing the branching path as well. And it's like each company hmm. taking a different approach and each approach, because to circle back to the Nintendo point earlier about, you know, their audience expansion, each company, because they're, you know, 75% of Americans or whatever play video games, it's like 220 million people. Um, I don't know if that's 75%, that's probably less, but whatever. Uh, I think it's something like that. Uh, there's a market for every approach. 
I don't think, like, maybe PS5 is going to be the bigger one of them all because, you know, Xbox in general just is not the same scale as PlayStation these days. But, like, Microsoft's going to do quite well for itself. And Sony's going to do quite well for itself. And Nintendo this year is doing quite well for itself. And we'll do grit. I mean, the week of those consoles coming out, you got PS5 on the 12th. The 12th. You got Xbox on the 10th. You got Game & Watch Super Mario Brothers on the 13th. And I guarantee each one You're putting them on the pieces. same scale. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Obviously, they're not. But each one of those things is going to sell gangbusters for their respective company. They're very different, entirely different strategies. One's a fifty-dollar trinket. Well, two are super powerful consoles. The they're, all gonna case, they're all going to sell out. They're all going to sell out. I mean, if the if Nintendo doesn't manufacture a gangbuster amount, they're not going to sell gangbusters. Well, we, they, they're probably going to make like five, and that's it. Nah, they'll do more. Yeah, <laughs> they'll make at least 15. <laughs> no, but my point is, like, there's such different strategies, but they're all games, like, and they're all going to do right. well. And Switch is going to keep flying off the shelves. Like, it's it, there's so many different approaches. And, you know, Microsoft came to say, fine, you don't want to buy a Series X or an S? Use your Xbox One. It plays all those Game Pass games. Fine, you don't want to use your Xbox? It's on Android now. Just stream it with xCloud. Like, every angle you can get these games. It just seems, it's just an interesting, we're at a point where like the market's so big that you, this, it can support all this, I think. Like, I don't think anyone's going <laughs> to lose per se, like back in the day where there's a clear console war winner and a clear console war loser. And there's going to be different paths. That's true. So many things are cross-play nowadays. Mm-hmm. At that too. Like, honestly, it really it feels just like the end of the it, console wars. I mean, unfortunately, the only thing that really separates them is just the exclusives. Like, that's literally what it just comes down to. What you grew up playing, what your friends have, like, one of our friends um, who is kind of like wrestling with the idea between getting like a PS5 and an Xbox Series X or whichever one. Like I thought like, oh, well, you might as well get a PlayStation since like, I, like I'm probably I'm going to end up with one. My brother's going to end up with one. Kevin will most likely end up with one. But yeah, I, I, I got my pre-order in. But then, oh, you did? Where oh, you where'd did you get a pre-order? Yeah. Uh, Amazon. Did you get the email? It was the, uh, it was, it was the physical edition. Yeah, I got the email. Silly animal. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but 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 it's it's whatever. As long as long as I get one, that's fine. But then uh, the, have... the email they're referring to is um, Amazon went ahead and emailed a lot of people saying like, "Hey, your PS4 might not actually be there at launch because of the high demand." I think they literally oh. emailed it to everyone. I think they don't even know their quantity. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, I, but... I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the whole pre-order thing, and this wasn't this wasn't like Sony's fault or anything, but the whole pre-order was such a mess because like Sony had a dedicated time and date. Well, not time, but they had a dedicated date. They said tomorrow, and then Walmart's just like, nah, we're just gonna do it now because I guess there's no like. And contract. then everybody was like, so one by like, one, no Walmart, we're, we're not gonna let you get it, get ahead of us. And, but what? And what's so funny yeah, is was... like none of the companies had their safeguards in place to, for the traffic bump so yeah, like so they can't reprimand walmart or is walmart so, so powerful think, that they're like yeah i can still do whatever i want well, i don't do. think they had a contractual um so i know my, what microsoft's doing and they have i've i can't remember what journalist said this but it's like confirmed microsoft basically said listen you are going to sell the system at a designated time and date you know series x and s it's going to be Tuesday, it's going to be, I think, Tuesday the 22nd at like 8 a.m. Pacific. And if you do not stick to that, if you sell early, we are going to shift away your allocation to someone else. Oof. Yeah. So now, of course, Sony and most companies don't feel the need to say that. And they usually have like a good enough relationship with the real, uh, you know, the various uh, realtors. So it's not an issue. Like Samsung never has this problem with Galaxy phones. I, I, obviously, Apple doesn't either with their phones. But like, I guess Walmart tested the wires with Sony and then all the other companies felt like, oh, we have to do it too, which led to like my favorite thing. Yeah, because is... like. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. 
what's 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 Sony gonna do? Be like, hey, Walmart, you can't do that, and then have Walmart be like, that's fine. We are probably the the place that's gonna carry the most consoles for you. Yeah, and exactly. We just say yeah. Because so. like, if you say up front, there's a stipulation. You're gonna then, try to okay, stand up to Walmart? No. Right. Yeah, but if you say up front, like, hey, we will do this. It's like, okay, well, oh, they're wanting yeah, they, you. They, but they afterwards, yeah. But what's funny is like, so GameStop they put theirs up, but then because they weren't prepared because it was a day early, they didn't like adjust their uh, server settings for a DDoS attack, which is. Uh, Distributed denial of service for those who don't know. Basically, the idea that a ton of traffic hits your site at once to bring down the site. So you put in something like Cloudflare or similar service to basically monitor that traffic and block it from hitting you too hard so your site stays up. But that means blocking individuals. So what happened with GameStop is – and I, this story is so funny to me for some reason – is they had all their anti-DDoS stuff running at normal levels. So when people went to go pre-order the thing, like GameStop put out a press release and everyone went to go pre-order it. And then the site just started telling people they're bots and they're not allowed through. Like it would just say like, we're sorry, you're not allowed to go to GameStop.com. Huh. For like legit customers that were – like Jeff Keeley got caught in it for example. <laughs> like literal, literal, like big name game people. Or maybe he got exposed. Maybe Jeff. Or maybe he box. secretly is a Russian troll farm and not actually a person. That actually lines up pretty well. No, but um, yeah, it's just like, and then like Best Buy, their entire site crashed. I know, Kevin, you were trying all day to get it, weren't you that day? Like, what? Uh, or all night? Yeah, the PS Five. Like, weren't you going uh, like site no, to site? No, I wasn't. I wasn't trying. I was. I was not trying that hard. Oh, I thought you were. Somebody sent me a link and it was like, "Hey, this thing seems to work." And I said, "All right, cool." <laughs> but yeah, it, it got and like such a. I was trying to what what I spent forever trying to get was an RTX thirty eighty, which uh, right. that was its own nightmare. And by the way, by that's itself. another example of how gaming so diversified now. Since when did a graphics yeah, it, card have lines like that or overpricing like that on eBay or any of that? Like, I mean, having built a computer now, like I can see why like people would why it feels like a big deal. But when I took a step back and just kind of thought, like, wait, this is going for. 600 plus dollars i don't know the exact price i forgot but i just know 700 dollars yeah this is like going for 700 dollars more than either console and people are still just like buying it like just for the thing like if you just buy this thing alone it's nothing so you still need to spend like a lot more like it's just kind of crazy that price i guess isn't really that much of a factor i guess well not i guess except when it is but not just that, but just like well, I mean, keep in mind. I think part of the reason all this stuff is so popular right now is everyone's cooped up at home. And you're I mean, it definitely made me appreciate consoles more because, like, you know, for less than that, you're still able to get incredible visuals mm-hmm. without having to spend an arm and a leg. Which, yeah, I guess it's the only way that the mass can actually enjoy video games. But I because like, I, I, if if all we had was comp like PCs, then gaming would be way more niche. I do think, though, well, PC gaming time a bit of a renaissance, I feel like, but I do think a big driver of why the, you know, that did so well, the, the graphics card, and why, like, even PS5 selling out as fast as it is, I'm sure Xbox. Even you bought one. Is. What? No, no, I was just saying, like, even you bought one. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, but Kevin what would I put right? in my MacBook Pro? Uh, but, but no, it. Uh, I think it's because, like, I, it's honestly on some level the pandemic's doing. Because, you know, you fall into two camps. Either you're in the very unfortunate camp where you are having trouble me- making ends meet because, you know, uh, you lost your job or there's all these expenses because you have health issues mm. due to COVID or whatever. And that's I'm, that's horrible. And I hope those people can overcome that and go back to normal lives as quickly as possible. But then there's a whole other camp of people who just can't travel, can't do the things they do, and just have kind of extra spending money as a result. And if there's some way to somehow wire transfer some of that over to people, that'd be cool. To people that need it, that'd be cool. But like fact of the matter is there's this whole group of people that have like just extra 
cash to buy game things with. So like all these things that would normally be doing well, I feel like they're doing exceedingly well. Like the game industry had its highest August since 2008 in sales. That was the peak of the week. Like, yeah, like it's people have all this extra spending money because like not only can you not go anywhere, but then what are you going to do? Like you, what are you going to do for free time? You're going to play games. Definitely one of the few industries that is obviously impacted by the virus and delaying everything, but in a way, yeah, it's more affecting games in in production Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. actual consuming. Like movies is getting impacted by like productions that productions obviously getting uh, um, getting screwed over by COVID, but so is you know consuming of movies and theaters and gaming is the only one that seems to be like surviving this. Yeah, because gaming gaming has the luxury <laughs> of yeah, and I guess and like yeah, I guess yeah, books, but, yeah, <laughs> reading, <laughs> and we're we're going to definitely have a, a a huge renaissance of various animation projects because that's the one thing like gaming that can be done totally remotely. So like I remember yeah, I think I was watching an interview gaming... with Seth Rogen and he was just like, we're only pitching a- a- animated stuff now. Like literally, we have like a bunch of animated stuff and nothing live action anymore because we can still make yeah. Because I mean, recording for voices and stuff is a lot easier, but. Yeah. The only part where it gets tricky is if you have to deal with mocap, which some like AAA games definitely do rely a lot on. Mm-hmm. And a lot of mocap studios, I'm guessing, are you know going to have to just take more precautions or maybe just have like one or two people working at a time because you know that is getting right. a group of people together. Right. I mean, the beauty of, of mocap versus a real movie, though, is um, I guess that could be done. At you, home, you do but I don't digitally, really know how that works, so. you take a physical thing and digitally put it in an environment, so you could have all these individual mocap sessions. Where people are by themselves and then just combine them later versus like a movie. Yeah, where, it just I mean, you could do really that with a movie. You down, can see yeah. the lack of chemistry when people are like mm-hmm. filmed remotely. Like, look at season four of Arrested Development. Like, you could tell they were not in the same place very much. That wasn't even because of COVID, huh? That was just no, because they were all just, busy. Yeah, it's just scheduling because they're all such superstars now. Did you even watch season five? I did not. Did you? Nope. Really? I and did you, not. And both of you are the so-called like yeah. original Arrested yeah. Development yeah. fans. Every, I, every year, every year, I rewatched the first three seasons. I went to the banana stand it, and got the autograph of Mitch, Her- Mitch Hurwitz, the creator. Like I was all about it. I was super excited for season four, and then it came out, and I was like, okay, that had some funny moments. But then I had no desire when season five came out. I just yeah, I, I, only started, I started watching it a few months right before season four came out, and I finished it just in time to watch it and finish season four. I remember enjoying it, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't even realize season five came and went. I was mm-hmm. watching some other video and I was like, what? Like there was a season five and it's like getting very, very mixed reviews. And apparently yeah, so. they remixed season four and recut it. So it's more of a regular chronological story versus the like who done it. Yeah, apparently it, that's like better. Conspiracy but... theory whiteboard approach they did for season four. But yeah. And wasn't there a controversy with pop pop and that didn't really help or something? Yeah. Like Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah. There are some allegations against him, and he was uh, taken off of uh, Transparent, and then he already filmed Arrested Development, so they kind of let it stay, but it didn't. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think one of them came out and said, like, it's not like we can just remove them from these episodes. We already filmed them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's similar to the whole Kevin Spacey Kevin House Spacey. Cards thing. Yeah. Where, like, they, you know, I think the allegations came out, like, right as the season was going to launch, and they're like, well, he's... It, it's done. It's in the and camera. Like a house of cards. 
It all came crashing it all now. Came crashing. You know, what I learned recently. You know the Netflix Uh-oh. sound effect whenever like the, their bump bump thing they do and all their bumpers and everything, like their logo mm-hmm. sound. That is from House of Cards at the end of season two, and he knocks on the desk in the very last episode. They took that sound because they do like an overly dramatic version of that sound. They took that sound, and that is the Netflix logo sound now. Because you was know that like, I remember that sure, like a, that was a good. Like, Hmm? Is that like a factoid kind of thing? Or yeah, that's like an actual thing. Like someone went back and looked at season two and the sound's the same. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 I would never would have well, known, actually. So I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, that um, show was so good in the start, and then it just, yeah, wasn't yeah. by the end. Uh, I want to talk about some of those games that, oh, the tangents. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were video games. Uh, but, well, yeah. Uh, so right off the bat, they revealed Final Fantasy sixteen. I thought Which, it was 14 for a couple seconds. I was like, wait. Yeah, so... It's the same dev team, isn't it, as 14? So, it's the same... I believe the same... I don't know what his role was, but people... Hold on, let me let me find his name. Uh, I believe Yoshida, Naoki Yoshida. I believe he is the one that's credited with, quote-unquote, saving Final Fantasy fourteen. From its mm. disastrous launch, mm-hmm. um, and so he is the producer for this one. That's why you watch that documentary. So like Forgot who made it, but apparently there's a really good documentary on the rebirth of Final Fantasy XIV. Final Fantasy XIV, yeah. So oh, man, so this is YouTube theories. If I remember, I'll have to share it because I've heard really good things about that interview. Yeah, so that doc series. That that that's why sixteen. Same. I thought that this was going to be like, oh, they're just. Uh, they're just porting over 14 to the PS5. Big deal. But then it slowly became increasingly... Don't make cry. <laughs> and don't make cry. It was like, whoa, what is this? And yeah, it turns out to be Final Fantasy uh, 16. So I'm excited for that, uh, especially since this is the guy that that saved 14. And so... What's I, interesting I is they're, they're saying this one's a single-player RPG and not an MMO like 14. So I'm kind of curious, like how? Oh, that's oh, well, wait. Out. They even yeah. I, I know it's not like a set rule for the Final Fantasy universe, but wasn't there a point where the even numbers or some number were the MMOs? It was eleven an MMO. Twelve. It was twelve. Eleven and 14, is an MMO. Right? No, twelve is oh, the no. MMO. Twelve. Right. Twelve is has kind of feels like a like an offline MMO a little bit. Uh, and then fourteen is a, an MMO. I suspect mm. this new one's gonna be kind of like twelve because they're built. They definitely in the press release and everything are building. No, it as a if, if you if you see the the gameplay, nope, it's definitely not. Okay, never mind. I, I've I've <laughs> it, it's, it looks it's like... more akin to fifteen because fifteen mm. was was a uh, this type of game, uh, more of an action game, more of an action game. Yeah, and I I, I man, I, I waited feel... for fifteen for thirteen years and I didn't even get like ten hours into it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, reception online has been extremely positive for 16, and hopefully, like, people will get what they, you know, what what it's appearing to be like. I mean, it looks really cool, but I remember hearing the same thing for 15, and kind of like you said, like, a lot of people kind of dropped off on that one. I never heard anything terrible about it. I just hear people dropped off from it. Like, I don't know what it was about 15, but, no. It was was specifically the combat system for me, so... Oh, was the car one, uh... <laughs> the pushing the car thing? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't the car. Oh yeah, yeah that's the one with the I, Audi deal. That's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, then after that, uh, Spider Man Miles Morales, which cool. Uh, some more Spider Man, smaller Spider Man story. That one is also apparently coming to the PS4. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. 
then Hogwarts Legacy got announced the, the I Harry Potter game. Didn't know there was a leak about this game, so I was just kind yeah, of surprised. This guy two years ago? Yeah, about it was Whoa. about two years ago. All basically all the planning documentation for it. Oh man! No, sucks. and there was a leak trailer as well. Oh, there's actually a trailer. I just remember really? seeing all the like trailer, the like yeah. uh, pitches and spread, you know, all that stuff. Oh man, that's, that's no, no, the entire trailer got got leaked as well. Oh, that's, um, that that kind of sucks. I feel bad for uh, Avalanche. That, that's who's making it, right? The Disney Infinity guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it the no? I think yeah, it's no, the that's um, no. This is the just the the just cause guys. I'm pretty sure. I think is it's, it the Disney Infinity guys? I think because so. there's Avalanche Studios and Avalanche. Uh... I'm looking it up real quick. I'm pretty sure it's the Disney guys because I remember thinking that's a pivot from from Toys to Life to this. Uh, Hogwarts Avalanche. Oh. Well, I mean, I guess regardless, like I was kind of pleasantly surprised to see a game like this. I mean, I haven't exactly been a devout Harry Potter fan. Um, I think Avalanche Software. You're right. There's there's Avalanche Software and Avalanche Studios. Sorry, sorry, Angel. Uh, also, like, it is the Infinity I, guys. You beat me to it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember being a really big fan, or just really liking Harry Potter, like the first book. I just remember being all about it, and then being all about the first movie. But I don't know what it was. I like obviously I enjoyed them enough that I really liked them, but. After the second and third book, like my interest just kind of kept dropping to the point that after the third movie, I didn't watch any until part six, part two. Mm-hmm. Um, just because all my friends were going, I was like, well, I might as well go with them. But anyway, yeah, it was kind of confusing because I also had to read the books. <laughs> Wait, I was with um, you, wasn't I? Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, you had so many questions when we left the theater. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the point is, like. Because I really liked the first one, I played the PS1 Harry Potter game, and it was kind of like a semi-non-linear, linear story. It was, I don't know, it was really fun just being able to sneak around. There was Quidditch. It kind of had everything. But it was just always like a game where I'm like, oh, this would be really cool to see, like, kind of like an open, fleshed out, like, RPG kind of game. And this kind of sounds like the game I would have loved to play back then. So mm-hmm. it's like I'm intrigued. It's like one of those games that I just kind of hope does well, but... I guess I'll we'll have to see if I check it out, but I, I like it exists, I guess. I guess I'm happy it exists. One of the things I think is yeah. really cool is they said in the 1800s, so it is a totally isolated Harry Potter story or Wizarding World, I guess, story that can do fan service tie-ins to lead into future things that happen, but like it gives them complete freedom to actually tell a new story instead of just adapting something we've read a few times over by now or seen a few times over, which, like, that, to me, is potentially one of the most interesting things about it. Because, like, you're not just like, oh, look, I'm Harry Potter. I know exactly how this is going to unfold. You're actually, they can actually like, yeah. do some crazy twists and turns, but in this setting where it really That's does true. feel like you are experiencing the... the Harry Potter world, just not as you know it. 1800 i mean when does the movie take place does that mean we're not going to see like harry's dad as a kid that is correct is yeah, yeah, i think exactly. the book and movie it predates even the, the young Dumbledore series that they're doing yeah oh yeah. fantastic beasts the and Fantas- Wordo- yeah, yeah, that's in the 20s and up. fantastic yeah. beasts like that's, that's how far back it goes yeah I have yet to see a Fantastic Beasts movie. It's weird because I was so me neither all about yeah. You Harry were Potter. all about Harry Potter. I remember I'm... like you went to Walgreens by the book or something. Oh yeah, no. So pro tip: if you need to go back in time and buy a Harry Potter book on launch day, Ralph's or Vaughn's. <laughs> 
They sold them at the cash register on launch day. No one goes there, so they're just there. And then, you know, if your parents, right. when you're like 14, are going to go grocery shopping, they just come back with a 700-page Harry Potter book for you to read. And then, Ooh, gotcha, gotcha. and then, pro tip number two: if you happen to be a moderator for Nintendo's forums, oh, like I was, get ready for all these tips. Get re- yeah, get ready. Read the book in <laughs> one sitting. Let me, get, let me get my pen and pencil. Yeah. <laughs> Read the book in one sitting because people will write all over the forum. We're not relevant. Spoiler alert: Snape kills Dumbledore. Over and over. So luckily, I I thought this was going to happen, and I read the book literally the entire book in about mm, ten hours, like in one day, one sitting. But then for the next three and a half, four and a half, five weeks, I was just constantly deleting threads in, or constantly deleting posts in like Kirby conversations, in like Pikmin conversations, in like who's your favorite Zelda character conversations, in like crystal fan art threads. And all they were saying was Snape kills Dumbledore, Snape kills Dumbledore. So like, yeah, you get my point so, is you gotta read it. So how right does it work? Like, do you, you did you like clock in or did no, you have no, like no, set time? Do you have to it's, moderate or is this like whenever? No, you no, can? no. So it's it's all voluntary. Um, so basically, what Nintendo does is or did. Yeah, but did they put you on a schedule? I mean, no, no, it no, no, be no. Still be... no, no, no. It's all that's what I'm getting at. So what they basically did is they looked at who they thought were active participants of the community that would be good at helping to enforce the rules of the community, and then they basically said, "Cool, here's your toolkit. Have at it." And <laughs> so they made you a hall monitor. <laughs> Essentially, but they gave us occasional games in return. But um, yeah, you yeah, got I mean, the vest. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But um, I do have a Triforce pen from being a sage, which was like the pre-moderator role I had. Sage was basically influencer under a different name before influencers were known as influencers. But anyway, um, yeah, it's 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 very. I mean, it's fine because that's basically what I do for a day job. I'm a community manager for those listening that don't know. And yeah, it's essentially, you know, you have people that are super passionate about their community, in this case it's Nintendo, and you just uh, say, hey, if you love the community and want to help shape the community, just like when you're available, when you're online anyway, it'd be cool if you just like also enforce the rules as hmm. you go. So like keep talking, keep doing your thing, but if you see someone say Snape kills Dumbledore, you know, maybe snipe that one down. If you see someone like... Uh, Snape that one down. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, if you see, if you see like someone post uh, inappropriate crystal fan art, which, oh man... Crystal Fox. People really like Crystal Fox. Um, uh, yeah, so you're saying you have like that. a folder where you move these to? There was a private forum that only the moderators could see that we could move things to, and then the Nintendo staff could decide uh, what to do with them. <laughs> and more often than not... No, I meant that you would save them onto your oh, computer. Uh, <laughs> I will <laughs> not, not tell you. <laughs> I, uh, you know, that's my... That's that's between me and Crystal Fox. <laughs> I can see your parents going to the computer like, oh, Jason has a folder called Nintendo, like, NPD. I will say, luckily, Rule 34 was not, like, a fully inf- a fully a developed thought yet on the internet um, at the that? time. So, or I'll put it this way, there's none of that in the forum. People had their limits, thank God. Ah, so if it existed, no, oh, wait, how does it say, what does the thing go? If it exists, there's porn of it? Is yeah, that? something like that. Yeah. Well, so luckily, it there was wasn't like, so full it, on. There wasn't so full on. So back then, on. it was if it existed, there might be porn, I guess. Yeah, or at least a lot of provocative crystal fan art. Because remember, this was uh, Star Fox Adventures was right around that time frame. So it was like, like as I was marring. Like, I guess a lot of their 2000s. younger fans were probably like in their teens around that game. So yeah, around the release of that game. Yeah, it was. Uh, Maybe they knew. Well, I don't know why I'm getting all like yeah about it in that <laughs> voice, but <laughs> well. uh 
Anyway, so, back to PlayStation. Uh, at, yeah, after uh, after Hogwarts Legacy, they showed a little bit of Call of Duty Black Ops, uh, Cold War, long name. Then they showed Resident Evil 8 Village. Looks... Angel, I know you're a huge Resident Evil fan. I mean, it just brings up... I mean, one of my first questions is, like, I wonder if they're going to bring PlayStation VR in some way. Because it yeah, looks like they're going back said... to first person. And... Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just a big fan of VR, so hopefully we will play like that. Otherwise, I'm still just really excited for it. I mean, even Resident Evil 3, which I wasn't as pleased with compared to Resident Evil 2, which I just love to death. Um, I still feel like they've been really great. I haven't really been this... My Resident Evil fandom, I feel, has grown to like an all-time high. Like, I almost considered buying a $200 plus or I think it was like $180, like Leon figure. That's like one six scale, you know, all the accessories. It looks really cool. Cause I did just buy like a $280 Kratos figure with the same mm-hmm. kind of detail. But yeah, like I, I'm really looking forward to this game. I like that Chris is back in some way in a mysterious role that I'm It's like he's like the main him. villain. Like, yeah, that's how they're showing him. And then, and um, this, the, this the main character, the seven are back. Like the last seven Chris's. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Maybe he, he deflated his muscles, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were they were pretty ridiculous in part four. Yeah, part four. It looks like he was literally like made with like an inflatable like pump. Part five, part five, four was um, the Oh, you're right, right. Part five, yeah, the one where he's punching the boulder. Really fun game though. I mean, well, that's why he's in the muscles. I, I'd love, I'd love Resident, Resident Evil Five. Resident Evil Five is is probably yeah, Resident Evil game of all time. Yeah, we played that game to death. But actually, yeah, I remember usually taking the. I'll solve the puzzle while you do all the fighting kind of role. <laughs> it's because, you know, less pressure. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I do like that this one does have kind of like a Resident Evil 4 vibe, which I hate to admit, but I've actually never played Resident Evil 4. No, I lied. <gasps> I've played, what? I've always just played like the first, like maybe 20 minutes of the game, but then I never get mm-hmm. beyond that. I've never okay. really owned it either. Like, it was just one of those, like, I want to get to it, but I just never do. But, I don't know. Maybe it's just I. I feel like I want to play the Wii one. Do I, even I have the it. Wii one? Do you want to borrow? I think it? I. No, I think I might own. I think I got it from GameStop for like a buck or something. Ah. But out to check. But because I've definitely beaten my fair share of Resident Evil games by now. Just that one and the HD remake of Part One. I have to play. I okay. don't think I'm gonna play two and three. I think I'll just stick to the modern versions. Sorry. Uh, have you Sorry. played Zero? Oh no. That one, that's another one you gotta play. I love Resident Evil Zero. That one seems intense. Like the whole way that like, you manage your items. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, well, you cool. haven't played Resident Evil Four, but there there was that rumor that, or I I think it's confirmed that Resident Evil Four is getting a remake. Really? I'm pretty sure it's been confirmed. Yeah. Huh. It wouldn't surprise me given uh, the success of the two I mean, three remakes. I, I mean, at this point, it's going to be. I mean, hopefully they. Do go for a full remake and not, well, I guess they have been just doing like HD ports for just, like, yeah, the longest time. Good. Yeah, I definitely want to see that game reimagined. Cause I mean, even though I, I would say that it still looks good, I also don't think it still looks as great. I mean, it's definitely aged. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's just, like a lot of the environments have just aged, but the aesthetic is still, still holds up really well. And eight is, I don't know, it seems intense. The werewolf looking creatures definitely seem scary. Yeah. Uh, uh, after that, uh, they showed a little bit more of Deathloop, 
which uh, looks like a yeah. really cool game. I like the uh, aesthetic of it, the kind of grindhouse yeah, Tarantino-y. Yeah. And also just the fact that a lot of these missions just look like giant puzzles. Like, I just really, I really like these kind of games where you have to, like, coordinate your whole plan and execute it or, you know, try to... Yeah. It, make, it makes you feel clever. Like, it, it kind of reminds me of... Um, Hitman. Oh, my God. No. Uh, uh, to, to me, it reminds me of... Ghost Hitman, Trick. Considering that... Ghost Trick. Oh, okay. Ghost oh, Trick. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. an interesting analogy that actually kind of apt. Yeah. I, I, can, I can see what you're getting at with the Ghost Trick. Stylized ghost and trick. the way you kind of have to, like, orchestrate how you're going to kill them because everything has to be on a set timer. But Ghost Trick is such an underappreciated game. Yeah. That game is awesome. But yeah. that makes sense since it was made by the Ace Attorney dude. Mm-hmm. Don't know his uh, name. After that, we saw <laughs> Devil May Cry 5 uh, getting a PS5 version just called the Special Edition. I never went ahead and played Devil May Cry 5 and and apparently the, some of the Special Edition stuff isn't ever coming to PC, so... That just might make me finally play this game on PS5. Ooh, this game's like pretty that, fun. Like, yeah, they, they, they really are. Uh, Don't Make Cry 3, Dante's Awakening is such a good game. Uh, after that, Demon Souls Remastered, which is probably <laughs> the only reason that I'm getting a PS5 at launch. <laughs> uh, because at the end of the... Well, I mean, the game back amazing. I mean, yeah, like Vision then, looked really cool, but like yeah. I, I don't think I really heard much of its reputation until towards the end of the Dark Souls game. It just feels like suddenly everyone played this game called Demon Souls that I for a while kept thinking like, don't you mean Dark Souls? Yeah. Like without like, just like both, an alternate Angel. title. You and me both. But yeah, I, I, I'm just kind of surprised that like it feels like there's like this game that has the pedigree that this has, but I don't think I ever heard of it around the time it came out. Only until like. Mm-hmm. Way many generations later. I remember being on GameFacts.com to try and look at a GameFact. I think for I don't know, probably Kingdom Hearts: Birth by Sleep at the time, and the number one uh, game was Demon Souls. And I checked it out like on YouTube, and I immediately went to. Uh, Is this a PS3 game originally? It is a PS- yeah, it's a PS3 game. Oh okay, and, and it Demon never Souls... came to PC. It never, it never came to Xbox. It never came anywhere so i thought um it was my understanding that sony owns the demon souls property kind of the same way they own bloodborne or something so so sony absolutely owns bloodborne demon souls is a little weird or maybe they own blue point they definitely no i don't i don't don't think they own they own blue point either because i mean blue point made published because they made the shadow of the colossus game but that probably has nothing to do with it. But that is an exclusive for sure. Blue Point at this point is like a is like a second party. Studio Aren't they Sony. basically the equivalent to what Next Level Games is for Nintendo? No, they they're the Grezzo. On... They're Grezzo. Oh, they're like Grezzo. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Grezzo's a good a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But from software is the developer of this the the guys behind the Dark Souls game. Uh. So, in Japan, it was published by Sony. Here in America, it was published by Atlas. Oh, um, interesting. And I don't remember what the reason was that that Sony didn't publish it over here. I think it had to do um, it had to do with how difficult the game was. Uh, oh. And then Sony Sony did regret did regret the uh, decision later on because wait, so that was the game that originated the This Is the Dark Souls of Blah, but 
they should have been saying there's a demon souls or dark <laughs> yeah, souls was exactly. even harder i guess uh man i it's been years since i played demon souls but um demon souls I mean... is more level based <laughs> i guess uh, as mm. as opposed to the the open world stuff of uh of the dark Souls series and bloodborne and um Sekiro. oh uh, that's yeah, right it'll that's be fun to it'll be fun to to go back from here and yeah, the only reason I'm getting it on PS5 because apparently it's a launch title, and oh, it'll cost seventy dollars, which is a oh yeah a, th- a thing now. Which I I mean, I, on one hand, um, it has to happen. It had to happen at some I, point. I hope. I mean, I don't know if this is what's gonna happen, but I hope like them costing seventy dollars means that we'll get less like microtransactions. Microtransactions. We now or like we still will. I hate to say that or we still will. Or I can't, or I mean, initially that might be like that we won't get it because people will be like, "All right, like this will be enough of a cost." But then over time, I guess you know people will still be thirsty for content and just on top of the seventy. I mean, what is what is Smash Brothers Ultimate cost right now? Like, mm-hmm. if you were to buy the full game and it's DLC, like mm. twenty, forty, so it's like a it, hundred dollar game. It's a hundred dollar game. And and that's the thing. There was, I think it was our our MPD pal Matt Piscatello mm-hmm. that we always reference. First stone is chuckling to itself. He, <laughs> but Matt Piscatello was pointing out that so theoretically, games should have gone up. If you look at inflation, we should have had the seventy dollar jump a while ago, like two thousand thirteen or fourteen, because now, really, a game should cost eighty dollars to be what a sixty dollar game was back in the back in the day. But what he pointed out on Twitter, I thought was kind of interesting, is instead of raising the price because they thought you know fans would react poorly which of course they will they went fine we'll do 60 dollars but like every single game's gonna have like multiple editions that cost 80 dollars 100 dollars 120 dollars 200 dollars so they they tried to like offset the cost that way but now the inflation's catching up where and the size of the productions is catching up we're really like it's long overdue so i don't know how i don't know how much they're gonna actually like peel back microtransactions for the time being because they can you know, like what? Uh, there will be some negative feedback from fans, but like at the end of the day, who's not going to buy whatever PS5 launch tile because it's seventy versus sixty? They're still going to do it the same way when it went yeah. from fifty to sixty. Everyone just did it. Like it's, as you were saying that, I realized like, with the exception of Nintendo games, because they typically only have one version. I feel like most of the third-party games I've bought in, or almost all the games I've bought in, I've always paid like a, like a bigger price for yep. the digital like the deluxe digital edition like i paid more for resident evil 2 i think i paid like 70 or 80 because it also came with some new costumes and some other things same thing with monster hunter same thing with the other resident evil yeah i think it's a, paying it's a smart 70 strategy. to 80 bucks i mean honestly, and it's not it's even smart... like a collector's edition it's just like a more mm-hmm. round uh, i guess it feels more complete but i don't know but no, it's like, like from their perspective, it's no different really at the end of the day than like if you look at like when Switch games are released physically by like Limited Run or one of those companies or even like when Poyo Poyo Tetris came out or whatever and they're like, oh, we're going to – it's 40 bucks. It's 30 bucks on eShop, but it's 40 bucks, but we'll throw in some stickers or something or like we'll give you a keychain. And it's like, yeah, because the cartridge costs a lot to produce. So they'll throw in something that's barely much more than the, the base rate to manufacture, but then they could charge like 10 bucks more. So, like, that's basically what they're doing with you digitally. They're like, okay, well, here's what the game costs. We'll throw on some skins that really, you know, how much do those bytes cost us to transmit over a internet 
wire, you know, nothing. But um, they can say now it's 10 more dollars and sort of make up the cost without making it look as bad because you're paying a premium for premium content even though the content's not really at a premium. So it's 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 been a smart strategy, but yeah, I think just budgets are huge now for these like blockbuster games. So they just got they they got to catch up. Yeah. 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 Uh, after that, we we talked about it a little bit. Uh, PlayStation Plus collection, a bunch of uh, PS4 exclusives, plus uh, some third party offerings were in there. Then they announced the price. We already talked about that. Five hundred dollars mm-hmm. coming out November twelfth. And then their one more thing was the next God of War game. Can't believe I'm actually working on that. I'm, yeah, I was about to say I'm congratulations, so, so Angel. Yeah, your yes. the game you're involved with was announced. That's cool. Living the American dream. Uh, did, fi- did it finally feel like a, a relief? Like you can finally get it off your chest that you're working on the the next God of War. Um, definitely for sure. Just because you know, like I'm excited about it, but I really just really love, and I think I feel like watching the reactions of other people. Like, typically, I'm not, like, a big person that reacts to things. I mean, I'll react internally as exaggeratedly as a lot of people react, but I'll just crack a smile. But it's just something about seeing everybody get really hyped for it, which is really more moving than usual. Usually, I'm like, oh, they're, they're, they're exaggerating it. But this time, I don't know, it all felt genuine. And it just made me feel like I'm going to do my best to make this awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the game is going to come out amazing. Uh, yeah, that, that, so that was the placing showcase. Uh, it feels like finally... It, it's weird how the the pricing uh, finally, in my eyes, made it like, alright, it's on. The Next Gen Wars is, is finally starting. How do you feel about the pricing, Kevin? Because when I referenced it earlier, you said you had thoughts. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. It's... Uh, in the world, you know, in the world that we live in, where everybody has to voice their opinion on the on the internet, uh, the pricing being four ninety nine against a another box that's also four ninety nine that's stronger. It's like I'm I'm sure they could have pro- well I, I say this like I know, but like <laughs> I feel like four fifty would be a little bit more compelling than than five hundred dollars. Uh, I also think is like man, there, there's a the hundred dollar difference between a disc drive is was crazy as well. That I don't fault them for. That I think is them being aggressive. Like I I, I get what you're saying about like the overall power and like could they have undercut PS or yeah uh, Xbox and use that to their advantage to sell more. But like the hundred dollar difference, the disc drive obviously doesn't cost a hundred dollars. It costs like fifty. But they basically are buying the bull on that because they could easily have said, okay, four fifty for disc, uh, discless, five hundred for disc. But they're saying, no, 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 we're gonna give you basically a PS five just without a disc drive for a hundred dollars less than a PS five. Xbox, sure, there's a hundred dollars cheaper, but it doesn't have four K. It doesn't have a disc drive as well, but it doesn't have the same power. We'll give you the exact same PS five experience minus a drive at a hundred dollars less than a PS five. Like that's a pretty compelling argument in my mind. Uh, cool, cool, cool. I guess that's that's pretty much all that we got to say on on that, right? Yeah. Unless you guys have anything else? <laughs> I don't think so. It's but you know what? That like watching a Nintendo Direct. It basically was. I mean, all yeah, these digital showcases directs. are Nintendo Directs in different forms. Yeah, the breaking up of the different developers was definitely is very reminiscent of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh-huh. uh, yeah. cool. Uh, moving on, uh, Angel, you literally just got. You literally just 
<laughs> no, yeah, I did. that you want to talk about right yeah now. friday be movie night so i watched weathering with you a movie that i've really been anticipating for was about a year now so it's by the same person that did your name and it's another what i like about these is that they're still kind of slice of lifey but um they're definitely i don't know what's they definitely have a nice fantastical element to them. Oh, just just real quick, please don't spoil your name for me, uh, because I actually want to see that one. Uh, I don't know too much about uh, weathering with you. Ah, uh, well, yeah, your name is really good. Definitely won't spoil that. But um, yeah, weathering with you, it's just way more straightforward than your name. Um, like for essentially, I mean, the premise is this boy is like running away from home. He moves to Tokyo and is is trying to make a living, and he essentially runs into this girl that has the ability to pray the rain away because in this universe um there there has been nonstop rain for i think three or four years and it just doesn't seem to be letting up but somehow this mysterious girl comes out of nowhere and she literally has the ability to like pray and then the rain will like dissipate and you get a nice sunny day only for like a couple minutes and it's how they kind of use that ability to make some money and you know, things end up not being quite what they seem. And I mean, that's the essential premise, but the story wasn't that deep. I feel like most of these movies, they definitely come in for the visuals because damn, like this movie looks amazing. Like, and, and I know, I don't know if you guys have seen a lot of um like anime films, like Ghibli and stuff like that, but I've seen the Ghibli stuff. This, yeah. But the food in these types of movies is usually very <laughs> delicious looking. But in this movie, oh my god, like, they have fried rice and egg on top that just looks amazing. <laughs> just looks delicious. Um, but not to say or talk any less about, like, other scenes, like, the lighting that they use, the way the CG is tastefully used, is, like, it's, yeah, it's kind of breathtaking. It's just really, really nice. And, I mean, the story has, like, some humor. It's definitely, it's a little dramatic, but still very very enjoyable i mean i just saw it so like i haven't had that much time to let my thoughts simmer but i really really enjoyed it and i'd recommend it i think your name is better though if you want to have yeah, a barometer that's, what, that's, what I, that's what i heard when this movie came out that that your name was uh not yeah. like miles miles better but this one yeah. this one didn't almost like live up to the to to your name yeah because your name so I felt was like just a little more complex. Like there were just like more ways to like interpret some things and you kind of feel like you're solving something in your head. And then by the end of it, like you're just satisfied. And this one, right. it never felt like you were mentally challenged in any way. If anything, that might be what it was that I didn't enjoy as much as that. This is, I don't want to say it's a name, a name, a movie where you could just turn your brain off, but the plot is that kind of straightforward. Mm -hmm. But Still very enjoyable. That's not necessarily always a bad thing. Sometimes this is exactly what you want to watch. Um, except that's, you know, sometimes I just kind of, sometimes I want to tear up and I was kind of hoping this would give me some kind of like tug at the heartstrings, but, right. Um, at least for me, it didn't. Um, I think my sister reacted a little differently than I did to some scenes, but yeah, mm -hmm. it, I'm satisfied. It, it was it was worth the wait, I, if anything, for nice. the visuals alone. But nice, nice, nice. I I think yeah. they literally just announced a director for the Your Name live action movie. That's a Your Name live action movie. Yeah, is is Netflix it's being doing it? By, 
No, Good. it's J.J. Abrams. Wait, what? Huh. Yeah, J.J. Abrams is producing the movie. That gives me a lot more hope than uh, the Netflix <sighs> anime adaptations, which I, I so much beef with see the source, these kind but... of things. With a with J.J. Abrams or no, but just like remake of, uh, I mean, not to jump at Disney, but like remake of animation of animated adapt adaptions, live action adaptions of animated films. Um, mainly because um, things in animation, you don't, for lack of a better term, you don't have to suspend your disbelief because your belief. You know, like, it's already out the window. Like, it's an animated film, so everything there doesn't already exist. So, if anything, it makes them feel more real than live-action films that are, like, fiction. Like, when you see, like, the Ninja Turtles walking around New York in the more recent films where they're made of CG versus the costume films. Like, I don't know. It just kind of takes me out of the movie. Like, I'm constantly reminded that I'm watching a movie. But in an animated film, like... Yeah, everything is its own world. Like, nothing looks out of place. And I don't know. I feel that's like what I love about them. And I feel like some of that is lost when you make these transitions to live action. And a very recent experience that I had of that was um, everyone here now knows how much I loved Your Lion April, which I still recommend if you want to learn how to feel again. Um, <laughs> but I think that moved. Today's events, I, I don't feel anything anymore. <laughs> but. The last episode of that of that anime, just like the way it presents the piano playing, and actually, I know Jason has seen this episode. What do you say? Oh, yeah. Yes, he you sent it to me on YouTube, and it is very well done. Yeah, like essentially, they just let the music do the talking. It's a very like nice background. It's very cinematic. Like there's swooping cameras and sweeping cameras and everything. And and but just then, to piggyback on that real quick, he literally sent me the scene. He told me a little bit of the story, but no context. And I was still able to fully appreciate the emotion of the scene without having watched anything that led up to it. Because it's, yeah, it's very well done. Yeah, I saw Jason like, so we're, you're going to watch the scene and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to enjoy it. But just imagine, <laughs> just pretend having like he, all he, the build up, like all the backstory. And to be clear, so he like, did say it like a threat like that. You will watch the scene and you will enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, so. That's surprised. Uh, yeah, so. I was happy that he was able to say pretty much what he just said right now. And that's without the blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But right. yeah, so I discovered there was a live action move. Yeah, a live action version of Your Lion April. And of course, like, I googled a few scenes just to see like how to compare. And that final scene has almost nothing of no, what the okay, animated no, uh, Yeah, like they're literally no just... Because no. like, in the animated version, he's like in... He's on a stage and then a competition, and then slowly it fades into like the magical background that looks really cool. In the live action version, it's just playing on stage the entire time. And the way, oh man, I guess I shouldn't really be talking too much about that part. But then the way like a character is like brought in and then as they leave, like even that is handled way less impactfully than the animated one. And I don't know, it just reminds me like, why even bother? I mean, these were animated from the get-go. If they felt it was a better fit for live action, I feel like they would have just done that from the beginning. Right. But, but, you know, sometimes well, it works out. I can't even think off the top of my head of an animated property that I've also really liked their live action version. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah, I mean, neither. Kind of if, if it gives you any hope, the, the movie was giving its blessing by the, by the director of your name and whether it went to you. And mm. it's also being, uh, I think it's being rewritten by 
the writer or, or half the writing team of uh, The Big Sick, which I don't know if you've seen The Big Sick, but I think I that's not. Wait, very, it's being very, done by good movie. The Big Sick? Not Kumail, uh, his, his wife. wife? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Uh-huh. She's, nope. uh, she's, uh, she's rewriting good. the movie. Yeah, she's, she's yeah, a she's good writer, yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised she's doing it. Uh, I guess that's kind of in line with some of the stuff she's done. Like she, like she and him are like talk about video games a lot and are into that sort of stuff. So yeah, maybe. That yeah, so sense. so I'm sure that she will she will try to do this movie as much justice as it possibly can. It's not like they just grabbed some 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 random writer who's not in tune with with all this culture, like anime and stuff like that. Like it's not a Netflix a adaptation. In other she words. likes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure she's gonna bring uh, enough care into the movie to 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 make it good. Oh, cool! That was uh, weathering with you, uh, Jason. Yeah, something something got released. What two something days ago? Did. So it, it it got released the same day as the PS5 info. Actually, um, iOS 14. So usually we talk about what we're playing, watching interacting with consuming and i guess you could count a firmware and software update as something we're interacting with right so i figured i could get on my soapbox here but have you guys so we're all we're all iphone people here have you guys updated 14 kevin you've been running it forever i think right i've been running it forever yeah i i usually do this thing where i will get into the betas of the new of the new uh ios versions and mm-hmm. i mean I, my phone hasn't gotten bricked yet so uh, i think i got into the beta for 12 13 and then 14 so yeah i've been running it so forever how for uh, first before i even get 14 i'm curious how is that beta experience like is it because they always say don't put it on your daily driver like always do it on a secondary phone have you had issues like how many people have secondary iphones i don't know man but (laughs) (laughs) but have you ever had issues where like um you know you're trying to do a basic function and it suddenly just doesn't work like you're trying to get a photo of something but then the camera crashes like is it that like heavy of a beta where that sort of thing happens or is it pretty stable yep. generally Ab- oh it Ab- is absolutely nope it, it's a very buggy i had this one bug where i would open up the camera and it would autofocus and then unfocus and then autofocus and unfocus and then unfocus How? like repeatedly to the point where i wasn't able to take pictures there was about a week and a half where i would have to open up instagram swipe uh swipe right to get into the story mode and take pictures like that <laughs> how and save them to my phone how did this not drive you crazy how are you like yes i want to keep doing this year after year or are you just a glutton for uh punishment i mean it's not that big of a deal considering that i found a workaround and i knew at some point ios 14 would be released and i wouldn't have this issue anymore true i guess for me it's just like yeah no i need it to work like correctly or i'll go crazy <laughs> sure but but but, but like my, i don't I don't, yeah, I don't live and die by my phone. Like, like my work doesn't really require me to have my phone. Oh, it's not even for work. It's for like, if I miss a cool photo, I will, Angel knows this. If I miss a cool photo, I will like dwell on the fact that I missed it for like an hour afterwards. Leave Jason with another friend so that you can (laughs) do whatever you want. This episode is just full of pro tips. Um, But yeah, that. (laughs) You know, you know what, you know which uh, story I'm referencing there, right, Angel? E3, Miyamoto. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, can That's I ever tell you this? A lot story? of waiting. Yeah, we so we ended up seeing we waited kind of, but then ended up seeing uh, Iwata, Miyamoto, and Reggie leave the Nokia theater to go to the convention center, and they were walking like 
Abbey Road Beatle album cover style across a crosswalk, and I for some reason did not take a photo of the like holy trinity of Nintendo right there. And for like the entire drive back, I was just like kicking myself about it. And now four years later or whatever, I'm still sitting here complaining about how I missed the opportunity. So yeah, I couldn't I couldn't do a beta, is what I'm saying. And that was just my oh, fault. Imagine if I tried and the like software it. went wrong. That would be horrible. Anyway, the reason um, – Angel, do you have 14? 14? Yeah, I was 14. Did you update? No, not yet. Okay. I haven't really found a reason to yet, and it hasn't bothered me. I mean, yeah, it hasn't asked me to. Gotcha. So. Yeah, so the reason I want to bring it up is I think you, Angel, are in for a lot of cool little – and I'm kind of curious what you think too, Kevin, but I think you, Angel, are going to be in for a lot of cool little nips and tucks. It does a lot of little things well, but I don't know. I feel like overall I don't think Apple knows what they want to do on a system level with ios anymore like and this is kind of from a pretty like hardcore apple nerd but like i think like the nips and tucks are great like the um you know the stuff they did with iMessage like you can pin messages there's threaded conversations you could tag people in group chats like they're catching up with you know what messages are, are i think are are my favorite part of iOS they're pretty version. cool yeah yeah and and it's it, it the, the ui is a little strange where like you have the circle of someone's face that you've pinned and then when you get a new text a little speech bubble pops up but then if you're in a group text like a little bubble with the initials of the person or their contact photo and a speech bubble pop up so it's just like all these bubbles on top of it but it is it is really nice to have like your most frequent people up top or whatever you want to put there um, and like the thread stuff's kind of cool. There's an emoji search now. Um, you can do default apps for browser and mail, which is kind of nice. Picture in picture video, finally. So like if you're FaceTiming someone, you can actually like use the rest of your phone without it pausing the video and you can kind of drag them around and like tuck them away and stuff. It, it's pretty cool. Um, that sounds like something only a plus model phone would really benefit from. Well, I mean, it works even, I mean, ours are big enough now. Like your X, uh, 10R, my 10S, like it, it's totally fine on. It's only Um, a little bigger than the 7. Right. No, but I'm saying it's like it's actually not that bad. Like you would think it would take up a lot of space, but they handle it pretty well, I think. Hmm. Um, And then, you know, there's even little things like uh, there's dark sky integration. So you get like out like to the minute, like rain reports and weather and like phone calls don't take over the whole screen. Now you pull down and you can just answer the call. Like or or not even pulled out. It comes down like a notification. They just tap it and answer their call. And like the music player is a cool background color thing that syncs with the album art now. Siri doesn't take up the whole screen. Siri doesn't take up the whole screen. Um, there's some oh, other finally. stuff. Finally, uh, even the privacy stuff. Like I think they did some really cool privacy stuff where they like tell you exactly when an app is using the microphone or camera with a little dot, kind of like mimicking the hardware light on the Mac. Um, or like, uh, there's a privacy report where you can look at everything a, t- a Safari has been blocking, like every tracker from every ad partner. And like, as someone who works in that world where I know about all those ad partners, it's really, it's good information to have. Cause there's a lot that track you every Oh, I probably should have told Android users skip over. Oops. Skip over this. Uh, yeah. Skip over this part. Uh, time links in the description <laughs> below on the blog post. Well, no, they might appreciate the next thing because I'm basically going to give Android a, a tip of the hat here because my my concern is as much as I like these one-off features, like I was starting to say, I feel like there's kind of a lack of like – it's not cohesive. The, the system-level changes they did, all these nips and tucks are great, but like with the changes they did to how you interact with your phone and how the menus work and what iOS is structurally don't really – work for me and like it's strange so you know i was used to be the home screen right and it still is the home screen and then you swipe to the left and you get your widget screen right 
So now the widgets from that widget screen can come out of the widget screen and be on your home screen, which in theory, that's a kind of an Android move, and that seems kind of cool, right? But those widgets aren't interactive anymore. So when you had the widgets on the widget screen, they were you could they had buttons. <laughs> the you can do the things. The what? Yes, right, the, so the widgets on the widget. Widgets on widgets on widgets. But yeah, when they had um. You know, when you swipe left from your your primary home screen, you had all those widgets. You could do stuff. They could control your smart lights. They could turn on or off a podcast. They could do whatever. Now, Apple introduced these new widgets that can live on your home screen, but they're like all like super like they're just supposed to be glanceable information, but they're not even logical. Like if you put the clock on your home screen, the clock widget, it's not going to show you what time it is. It's going to show you the time in a specific time zone you manually have to set. So your clock app can say one time. The clock at the top of your phone can say one time. But then this clock widget can say another time. Maybe that's intentional. There's actually one where you have four in a row. That's cool, except I don't think you can customize all four of those. <laughs> so it's just like what is like – like it just feels like these weird like kind of decisions. Or like they have a music app, a music widget that shows you what's playing. But if you tap it, all it does is open your your music app. Like it doesn't let you do anything in the widget. So how is it different than what's on your lock screen? So that's kind of like concern number one. Concern number two is on the other end of the phone now. If you go all the way to the right, past all your home screens, they have what they call the app library. And the app library is divided into two parts. There's these sort of smart... I mean, isn't that feature perfect for you? You're kind of one of the first people I thought of when they announced that. Yes. So in concept, it is. So the app library is in two parts. One is just a Rolodex of all your apps. If you hit the search box at the top... useless. What? Well, not useless, but... The, the app libraries, you, yes, it's that's, not that it's useless, that's what I'm getting at. But, so they have two conceptually yeah. interesting things where one is like this Rolodex of apps, like I started saying, and the other is these sort of automatically generated buckets of apps. Basically, like, you know how you can do folders where you can combine apps and put them in like a single icon? It's that, but Apple decides what goes where. So they have suggestions based on what you're doing, which is basically no different than when you pull down and you have the series suggestions for which app to use. They have, you know, recently added, those two make sense, but then they do ones where it's like, utilities and social and productivity and creativity and entertainment and travel and some of these make sense and some of them don't um they kind of categorize well sometimes but then there's weird ones like um i can't think of off the top of my head but there there's some ones that don't necessarily make sense like right now you know it's smartly saying okay creativity includes you know like um my photoshop express my iMovie all that but then like instagram is under social which is accurate but what if it's also creativity in my mind well i can't decide that because these are all only programmed by apple so if you want to move things around if you want to make a new folder if you like the idea of having this app library where you can have this interface to bucket your apps that you don't need to have on your home screen any longer you actually can't customize it whatsoever it's either what apple says or nothing and they will change their definitions as you use your phone. It's like what was once in one bucket could move to another one at another time as it learns your preferences, which theoretically should mean it's better, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be better. Like AI is not perfect, you know? And I think what kind of bothers me about that is like I'm never going to really use that because I don't even know if the things are going to be consistently where they are. I'm just going to search for the app I need. But what kind of bothers me about it is the interface they made for it is kind of cool in that when you click into the yeah. apps, you get all the apps in a folder on one screen you have to swipe in a mini folder like you do with normal you know home screen apps but That's pretty convenient i kind of like the mini folder but 
Yes, there. I don't like to go to the pages in the mini folder. Yeah, so this gets rid of that. But the weird thing is the way they display the folder is they show three big apps and four little apps. So we have learned for so many years with iOS that when you click a folder, you go pick your app. With this one, if you click one of the three big apps, it takes you straight to the app. You have to click the four mini apps next to the three big apps to go into the folder, which, okay, new paradigm. you got to learn it. That's fine. Except... If you go back to your home screen, the normal folders still use the old paradigm. And that ultimately is what's kind of driving me crazy is they have all these new things (laughs) they're trying, but they're all conflicting. So another example is search. If you pull down on the top of your phone, you have the Siri search, right? And that could do everything, web browsing, apps, whatever you want to search, contacts, text, it's all there. If you swipe to the left to your widget screen, right, it has a search box as well. This search box is styled like the search box for the app library. The app library search specifically lets you search just your apps, nothing else. So theoretically, the widget one, styled like the app library, should let you search just your apps, nothing else, right? Wrong. The second you start typing into it, it (laughs) switches over to Siri suggests and uses the universal search. I don't know why. So now you have folders that do the same thing but look and act totally different. You have searches that ultimately give you variants of the same results but in two different ways, and it's all on the same three screens. Why? I don't know. But that's kind of the thing I'm getting at. Like Apple's like throwing new things in and seeing what sticks. They're trying widgets differently. They're you know Because widgets existed. You can use them and act on them, but now new ones you can use but you can't act on. But the old ones are still there but only on the widget screen. They'll probably phase them out of entry, but right now you can have those old ones on the widget screen. But if you want to use the new widgets outside the widget screen, widgets. they're not actable. They're just glanceable. <laughs> so it's just like all these weird conflicting things where it's just like Apple is so close. Like I think the idea of you know you have your home screens, however many you want. You can actually hide entire pages now. That's really cool. So the idea that you have these home screens and you can customize them and then you swipe left and you got your widget like library and you swipe right and you got your app library. Like I think that conceptually is cool. But the way they implement it is so all over the map and inconsistent that just it just feels like like it's like two steps behind in user testing from where it should have been before they Doesn't released it. Doesn't sound very Apple. It 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 like is and it isn't because everything's designed for you, right? So their widgets that you can't customize them. They just say, "Here's your three choices. Enjoy the one you like." your app library here's your folders enjoy the one you like but you can't customize them and that's apple's mo is like we know what's best for you that was steve jobs like favorite thing but yet it all conflicts so yeah it doesn't have the ease of use but has the we'll tell you what's best for you thing and it it don't pair well so that's my take i don't know how you feel Kevin, but that's been like the last couple days of this for me I, he lost I, sleep over it. Gen, I genu- <laughs> yeah, I, I do not care. I, it's whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, ultimately, like, because, yeah, I could easily not care, too, because ultimately I can just stick to my usual home screens, not change anything on them, and we're fine. Like, everything's the same. But it's just like they spent so much time talking about how cool widgets are and so much time about the app library. Just like these are just two superfluous screens I'm never going to use, basically, because one got rid of the functionality of widgets. The other just gives me useless folders. Like, what's the point? But it just seems like a wasted effort or something they could have honed in on a bit better and cleaned up. But anyway, that's my rant. I'll get off my soapbox. Um, I still think the nips and tucks are great. I would, rec- I honestly would recommend still getting the update. Just like be aware that they definitely kind of lost the plot a little with some of this. And I'm sure like a year or two they'll start like they do this every so often. You know, they make it super um, like heavy and they keep adding new stuff and then eventually like oh we cleaned it up and made things easier so i'm sure 15 or 16 is gonna be when everything's streamlined and basically the thing i think i thought it was gonna be up front 
just you know in two years yeah anyway yes yeah. yeah, so that's iOS 14 thanks for uh indulging iOS me there. 14 yeah <laughs> I think I think you said 15 yeah yeah what do you um, think iOS 15 will do fix all this <laughs> what, what, what is it what is your wish list of 15 um yeah that could like make me food no um I don't know. Actually. I mean, your phone can order you food. That's so, so close. That brings up a whole other thing that I wasn't going to get into, but I think phones are plateauing to the point where, like, I don't know what's left for them to do. Like, I am probably going to still get an iPhone 12 when it's announced, but I – this is the first and year you're still I – just going to use it for Twitter. Pretty much. But no, I, but I'm definitely like, do I need it? Because, like, I'm happy with my camera. I don't feel like 5G is that big of a jump. Like, 4G is fine for me. Um, granted, in like three or four years, when apps utilize that that latency difference for sure, but like right now, it's not gonna make a difference. Um, if it comes in that navy blue color that's rumored, I'm all about it. But like, do I want to spend twelve hundred dollars for like? Eh, this is nice. Maybe, I don't know. I probably will because I, I'll get that gadget lust as soon as it's announced. But like, generally speaking, I just feel like yeah, I don't know. There's nothing like I really need in a phone anymore. It's so. Like they've reached a point <laughs> where they're so advanced. I, I mean, is there anything you guys still wish a phone could do that it can't currently do? Uh, I hmm. miss my HCC. I think it was the HCC one M seven. It had an IR br- uh, blaster in the uh, mm. in the lock button. See, I miss being able to fold my TV remote. That's pretty cool. Now, if you have an Apple TV, you basically have the equivalent because they baked it into Control Center. It's not the same. I guess. It's not the same. <laughs> um, I do kind of miss fi- uh, Touch ID now that I think about it. Face ID is great, but with a mask, it doesn't really, you know. I completely forgot that it was even a thing. So the new iPads, face ID. the new iPads they announced has a Touch ID in the power button, smallest sensor they've ever made for Touch ID. So I'm thinking like, they could totally put that on the 12's power button, too. And those are these iPad Airs, huh? Yes, in the fun new colors, like sky blue they're, and they're green. Really nice. They look really, really nice. They do. They do. Yeah. And that and that design language of the new iPad Air is for sure going to be the design language of the new iPhone. So, you know, slightly more squared off edges, um, kind of a frame like the iPhone 4 and 5, where it's not rounded, but actually like kind of ice cream sandwich look. Um I'll stick with my with my orange phone, which I doubt they'll ever make again. I don't know. The colors come and go. I mean, honestly, like the iPad Air colors, I think the iPod Video had almost those exact same hues way back when. Or maybe the iPod Nano. But, like, they, they recycle the colors every so often. Like, for, you know, one year it's bold and colorful and, and, and vibrant, and the next year it's, like, subdued hues. And the next one it's, like, you know, like Easter egg paint job colors. And, like, like they go through, like, a rotation of these. Um, so it's going to be a matter of, don't worry, there will be orange in like 2023, right? When you'll be ready to upgrade. <laughs> Thanks for the apparent very accurate estimate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll put money on that just because why not? It'd be kind of funny. If you all bet five bucks in 2023, they'll have a new orange iPhone. I'll sure. do it. Okay. Consider cool. us a verbal handshake. Yep. If we remember cool. in three years. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Unless you guys want to talk about something else, I think that's it, right? I think that's it. Yeah. I, I like how we bookended it with things that happened on a Wednesday. PlayStation and iOS. <laughs> right. And uh, bookend them we did. Very, very sturdily. As Jason just showed. <laughs> oh, crap. This is the, this, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
All right, cool. Uh, all right, well, wait, are you gonna explain what that was? <laughs> what just happened? Nope. <laughs> uh, let us know what you thought. Uh, you can follow us at uh, on our Twitter at Random Nintendo. You could subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, whatever uh, tickles your fancy. Um, on YouTube, we are Random Nintendo Comp. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week we'll we will have a new episode of Random Nintendo for you, it's and gonna, then it's gonna be full of Mario. I think that's Mario and Monster Mario. Hunter. Oh, and video game full documentaries. Of, oh, full of uh, overpriced Mario. Um, <laughs> and I think that's gonna do it for this week's episode, right? I think we're so. Good? Yep. We're yeah. good on the uh, yeah. I'm right, say cool. And with and with that, uh, Jason, take us out. Apple, fix your iOS.